This is the Oil Country Podcast. Presented by the Hockey Podcast Network. Every team, everywhere. Hello, 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 Oilers fans. We hope you're doing well. And thank you very much for joining us for another episode of the Oil Country Podcast. Presented by the Hockey Podcast Network. Every team, everywhere. Bringing in my co-host, Kyle. How are you doing, man? Fantastic, dude. I uh, walked out of my job yesterday. I got a cat the day before that. So, um, it's been a good week. Fantastic, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> you were telling me about walking out of your job, and I was like, as someone that's never done that, I, I felt like it was going to be a super empowering, like, you know, that like fantasy people have and maybe a job they don't like of being like, fuck you, man, I'm out of here and just walking out. And then you're pretty much just like, nah, this is nothing, nothing new. Like no big deal. Uh, I mean, again, I work in the restaurant industry. I think there's a difference between me working in like an actual job and me, you know, I mean, it's an actual job, but yeah, I see your point. I mean, let's get real. Yeah. Yeah. It's a different culture. In that There's industry. a lot of disrespect that happens in that industry, and I just fucking you're bounced. just done. Yeah, and That's other it. opportunities going on, so it's not like you're like, screw it, I'll be homeless, I'm out. Oh, I've already got another job. I'm full time somewhere else, so I don't give a fuck. Yeah, yeah. honestly, and I've completely. I've literally. Ne- I mean, I know that sounds like super bad to say, but I've. I maybe not. I don't know. Uh, I've not ever been turned down for a job opportunity like i worked for red bull for the distribution company at one point um you know walked in got the job instantly like i i know kitchens are obviously maybe a little bit easier to get a job in than anywhere else but i've worked at some nice places and walked right in there and and yeah. got in like decent roles so you're so cocky man you're so cocky. i i yeah <laughs> i'm trying to say that like as modest as i can i like i know my worth is basically it like i and other people should know that too like i had no problem telling them to go fuck themselves i just felt you know well, it's been years of me complaining for changes and and you know nothing happens and especially now with covid with how bare bones it's been it's just been a joke at this point so when you feel disrespected it's a hard thing to come back from too like especially if you're a good worker and you know you're a good worker and you know you you're giving them value and you know if the, if you feel like you're dis- disrespected or slighted or not being treated fairly it's kind of like you know where do you go from there how do you bounce back from that unless they Dude, i was there for 15 and- minutes and i wanted to fuck it like I, I i my heart was beating so fast i was like i might have a heart attack tonight just from fucking yeah. being here like how much how stressed out i am just being in this place so fuck it yeah and, and not good gonna news, be unhappy though, at work I'm excited that you got a cat. I'm like way more willing to visit you now. Dude, this cat is amazing too. It's like, it's the most adorable thing ever. It it lets you do pretty much whatever you want to it. It's like the biggest cuddle bug in the world. We got a seven-year-old cat from the SPCA. Um, Yeah. I kind of didn't want a kitten. Just, you know. Kittens are a lot of work. So much energy, dude. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Man, I I think I might have mentioned this. I know I mentioned it to you off air, but. My, my parents have been taking care of my cat for like a year and a half because I work on the road so much. And mm-hmm. uh, I had gotten it in a previous relationship. And, you know, don't get me wrong. I love my cat, but like I totally fucked that cat up when it was a kitten. I just like I'd never had a cat before because I was allergic as a kid. I was always a dog person. And I was just like, not that I was abusive or anything. I just didn't know how to like train a cat 
to not be an asshole. And I know you can't like train them like you can train a dog, but it's still like you can enforce behavior, right? And like yeah, a water bottle basically behavior. with a squirt, right? And like positively reinforced, right? And like me and my mm-hmm. roommate at the time, we were just like, hey man, like he, he fights super aggressive, but he's a kitten, so he doesn't really hurt. So we would just like always like play fight with him. And now but then he does that when he's older. Cat, and like you start playing with him and he just wrecks your hand. Like he doesn't do it in like a malicious, like I'm going to hurt you way, but he just plays like real heavy. Well, I mean, that line. that kind of same talk is the issue with like small dogs and big dogs, right? Like people don't train small dogs, same thing like kittens, as, as much as they would when they're bigger, right? Because yeah. you don't think there's as, there's no big deal if your little dog is like jumping up and yipping all the time and stuff. But And I then mean, it gets so old many... and senile and starts biting little kids and shit. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Well, more just they're, they're like every small dog is the, you know, stereotypical yippy, like jumping everywhere on people and you know, yeah. same type of shit. It's just... Yeah, people don't train things that are small because they're cute. Yeah, exactly. Well, no, I'm glad it's working out. And I mean, good for you guys for adopting an older cat, too. I know, like, kittens always get adopted. Same thing with puppies. But those older ones, it's, you know, a lot of times they don't find a home. So good for you guys. I'm happy for you and your girlfriend to give it a good, you know, rest of its life. Merci beaucoup. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> Man, my French is still so terrible. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, fuck, dude, I'm just horrible too. Don't worry about that. Yeah. yeah, I guess you've been here for like way longer than me too. But, um, anyways, there's one thing I wanted to talk about before we get into the Oilers talk here. And uh, man, I, I was telling you a little bit about it off air, but I, uh, I watched the a documentary on Netflix called The Social Dilemma, and it's a bunch of executives from like Facebook and Twitter or former executives, um, like a couple presidents, couple VPs of like monetization and advertising and stuff. Um, I'm not going to get like mega, mega into it. Cause that's obviously not really what we discussed, but strongly, strongly recommend everybody watch it. It was, it was an eye opener, man. Like you'll watch that. And if you're a Facebook user, a regular Facebook user, or any of those apps, like I, you'll delete it like, or, or at least cut down your usage of it. It's wild how much they've, you know, more or less manipulated the general public to make money. But the negative effects that that's happened and hearing it kind of right from the right from the mouths of these people that were involved in building these things and talking about them struggling with their own kids and the impact it's had on them. And it's just, it's wild. And they get into the political side of it and the election interference and stuff and a whole bunch of stuff, but very well done and a a really interesting watch. So just wanted to recommend that to you, Kyle and everybody listening as well. I a hundred percent agree with you. Uh, I I'm sorry. I thought when you said you watched something on Netflix, you were going to come in with you watch cuties or, or, or whatnot. I know that's <laughs> no, it. No, no, no. Yeah. I've heard that. I, dude, I watched pay money. Wubby. Who's like a YouTuber who like makes fun of kind of I've things seen happening. Bit, yeah. It, man, I, I had trouble even watching that. I was like, this is just, yeah. Uh, it's, yeah, man. It's, it's a little, it's, it's it's a little extreme. A messed yeah. up time. Yeah. And like the media and social media and podcasting and like all this stuff, like it can be great forms of entertainment, but there's just like, there's a lot of, not so much podcasting. I mean, in my opinion anyways, but so much of those forms of media and social media, like there's so much negative that no one could have known when they were building it. Because I mean, way back when Facebook started, like it was such a positive thing. And they talk about that in the documentary of like, 
man, like people found organ donors on it and were reunited with former friends and family members that they had lost. And there, there were so many positives coming from it. And now, I mean, those positives are still there. It's just, they've banked, they've banked on those positives and how it's brought so many people. And, you know, I, as well as like, like there's so much involved with people that are obsessed with getting a like on something they post. Right. And, and how much that means to someone's self-worth it's yeah, it's, it's a really steep slope to get into. And I, I don't think that was necessarily their intention though. Right. But yeah, like there's, there's a lot of sides to that evilness that is social media like a hundred percent dude that thing is not good for society it's a big machine man it's a money printing machine and i mean yeah it was like after watching that like don't get me wrong i it wasn't really enjoyable like it was fascinating but i had some existential dread like after i watched that i genuinely had the thought of like this might be one of the biggest problems that we currently face like either obviously like um, dude it's the it's the start of the, of the black mirror social right credit now, score like yeah it, man, that's, wild. that's I it i love that shirt too yeah. but yeah man it's a it's a big problem and now it's like what do we do like you're, you're not gonna <laughs> just get rid of it so how do we adapt as humans to make this you know dude i feel like that is most it, things that are happening in the world right now is just like Hey, this thing's really shitty. How do we get rid of it? And nobody will or can or knows how. Yeah. <laughs> With a lot of our issues, whether it be like pick pick an area in the world, and that's that pretty stuff. much what's happening. Yeah. yeah. There's so much non-action and bureaucracy that's happening. It's it's ridiculous. It's just crazy, man. Like the fake news side of it is just nuts. Like it's it's so they're controlling how mass amounts of people think. And that that's a dangerous thing and i mean well get- i mean that's something that's ever had been before in human history right like it's yeah it's it's crazy how much power can be had to their tv screen or through your phone and i mean we're on reddit all the time but i mean that place has definitely been accused of uh, vote manipulation right For where sure. people are paying to have something get upvoted crazy so it shows up on the front page which then gets more votes from people who it's riddled you know, with aren't bots. part of it it's just it, yeah. it, it grows it's exponential growth as soon as it gets to the front page right and and yeah you can push a narrative as long as you're willing to spend some money on some upvotes like it's it's pretty easy to control a populace when you know as long as you have the funds to do it you can you can put whatever you want on there yeah the crazy thing to me too is just kind of a sidebar here before <clears throat> last last point before we get into it here. I like how we became a social commentary podcast over the last two episodes, by the way. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> We're kind of venturing out. But, you know, talking about controlling the way people think, and I, I think that's, you know, like Kyle, you and I have both talked about being a pretty big fan of Joe Rogan at times. Um, and his Not podcast. so much now, but before, yes, definitely. Yeah, for sure. I, I think that's my biggest reservation with him. And I mean, it's something I've tried to, or both of us have tried to look at when we're doing our podcast. I mean, we don't have near the poll. I mean, he has the biggest podcast in the world and we're, we're small, small time, but buddy, I, I, I didn't think tell you, you I signed a hundred million dollar deal at Spotify. Yeah, no, I'm like, we're I mean, on the way. I'm not even yeah. trying to compare us here at all. Yeah. But my point is like, we had the thought of when you're putting your opinion out there, you have to be responsible about that. Like you have to realize that you might, whether it be one person or 10 million people, 
you might change the way people think and that can be for the good or for the bad. But that that's been my big issue with, with him. And it's just like, especially with COVID man, like the way he talks about it. And it's like, he, I understand that he thinks he's just sharing his opinion, which he is, but he doesn't realize the impact he has. And when he's saying like unsubstantiated opinions, people are taking that as like, oh, this guy's really smart. I'm going to listen to everything he's saying. And that can be a dangerous thing, man. Honor, yeah, well, it's not just him either. No, he, for sure. I know, I know you're just making that comparison and, and, and yeah. lining him. But yeah, it's like, it is important what you say when you're on a platform that can be accessed by anybody. And I think I say stupid shit all the time. So, I mean, well, like, I'm we don't guilty want to of that. But I think that we've anyway. handled ourselves pretty well when we've had to talk about more extreme issues. Yeah. Yeah. You try and, I, and I mean, I, I, I believe in the things that I've said, too. I don't think I've acted, you know, to try to put on a, a false face to. To say the right thing. You know? Yeah. And and I mean, with us, like one of the big things is like we're not scripted whatsoever. Like me and Kyle aren't talking about, you know, like, oh, how do we come off? You know, how do we come off popular or, or like say the right things to get more listens or anything like that? I mean, at the end of the day, we do this because we enjoy doing it. But I, I agree with you in the sense that. I don't know, I, I like to think we do a good job of that and not. um Not going on one side of the spectrum or the other where we're like censoring ourselves on one side or just saying a bunch of stupid shit on the other side. I mean. I agree with you that both of us say some stupid things sometimes, but it's not like damaging, dangerous, stupid things. We're just bullshit and saying stupid stuff. But anyways, most, most times I think me and you, I, sorry, I know you want to move on, but most times I think me and you, uh, like think everybody involved is an idiot for the most part. And we ourselves are stupid too. So like, what do we even know? But like, I I don't know. My, most issues I just think are, are so emotional. Like people don't even, take the time to to break it down logically or to even just have a simple conversation with the other side and try to figure out where they're at and find a middle ground like it's yeah i don't know every situation in this world seems to be like so digging your feet into the sand and hold your ground like that's yeah this is the hill i'm gonna die on for like every everything yeah you're not, Which some things are good, yeah. no question, right? Like, uh, it's not like our world isn't the best it's ever been. Like, you know, uh, yeah, I don't like. We live in a pretty awesome time to live in the world, but at the same time, shit is fucking crazy. And just with that social media and internet now, just more people are getting access to it, and a lot of people don't know how to handle how how terrible things can be i i, I guess yeah I it's it's like, a lot it has been yeah. an extreme thing for sure but it's like there's crazy shit going on all over the world all the time the issue with social media or one of the issues with social media is if you want to find all of that doom and gloom it's right there for you all over the world to see from your through your smartphone or through your computer or, or if you have dangerous. an opinion like you can find yourself like a group of people where you can just have your own um Oh my God! Sorry, I don't know what's like your own community here, and like echo chamber. Exactly, echo chamber. Yeah, where it's just you know, like everything that you say is right. Like you can be on some neo-Nazi page or or some you know whatever it is, and it's just like everything I say is right because all these people agree with me. Exactly, and and, and everybody and that you have no actual real world experience of like these people aren't like that everywhere, dude. Yeah, yeah, 
Exactly. And it, 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 there's great things on that side of it too, where like you look at, you know, you and I meeting through Reddit and like, for sure, you know, there's moments where we're not really f- super pumped on that community with like the Oilers Reddit community at times it, it bothers me and I'm not getting anything from it. And we take a break, but you can find people that have similar interests in you and that are passionate about it and talk to them, which is awesome. But it, it depends what that topic is. Like you said, with like, if it's neo-Nazis, that's, you don't really want those people being able to form together and form groups as much. Well, as it can be a good thing too. It's right just like, it's, it's, speech, it's like anything right? else in moderation, right? If you're spending all your time on something that you're obsessed with it, like it's, it's not healthy. That's it. Right. Like, yeah. And I mean, Hey shit, that can be in sports, man. There's some times where like the Oilers cause me so much stress. I, I have a Flames fan buddy that this, uh, when they were playing Dallas, he would not watch the game, record it. And if they won, he would watch. And if they lost, he would just not watch because it was genuinely fucking up his mental health that much. And like, that's something I don't where it's like, I've probably been there too. And that's something, I mean, I, I love the Oilers and I'm going to keep talking about them and keep watching games, but like, you, you got to get a limit to that too. Like if it's messing you up in that way, a break and having that in moderation is probably a good thing. A hundred percent, but not the oil country podcast. Keep, keep listening to us. Even if we're causing you, no, I'm just joking. <laughs> I was, yeah, I was just, yeah, this, the, the, that was a prime example of the stupid shit we say sometimes. <laughs> okay. Anyways, let's get into it, Kyle. I'm just going to run our promo for the network here too. I'm James and I'm Andy and we host the Broadway boys podcast on the hockey podcast network. Every Monday we talk New York Rangers news from around the league and all aspects of the hockey lifestyle. It's It's never been a better time to be a Rangers fan. So tune in and join us as we break down games, prospects, rumors, and more as we follow the blue shirts on their quest towards the Stanley Cup. Our takes are all our own. And not always legally binding. But you're not going to want to miss all the guests, rants, speculation, and the occasional overreaction. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Broadway Boys Pod and catch new episodes every Monday morning on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and more. And this one will last a lifetime! So what are you waiting for? Subscribe, follow, and listen to the Broadway Boys podcast today, and be sure to check out all the exciting content on the Hockey Podcast Network. Better not get flagged for them using that radio audio. (laughs) All of a sudden, our podcast gets taken down. Those sons of bitches in New York. (laughs) Man, I'm jealous of being able to watch a team that's done their rebuild that fast. Oh man. I know. Like we talked about uh, that with your buddy, Jared and like, yeah. man, talk about a turnaround. I mean, that being said, they're also not there yet, but they're in a pretty good spot. Oh, for sure. But they look, I mean, they're kind of in the same situation we are, if not even almost in a better spot. And it's like two, two years ago, they're putting out a thing like in less. the New York post. 
yeah. right or whatever it was being was like, like hey we're sorry every fan ever we might need five years to get a team together again yeah. things are not looking <laughs> good but like stick with us please yeah they're like god damn dude like and talk about like we were doing sellouts that, every year during the dark days what the fuck we didn't get shit yeah look at the like look at how rare it is that a huge free agent signing like panarin just is like a home run like they they knocked that out of the park. He's worth every penny. He mm-hmm. immediately came in and made a huge difference for that team. Made his and, line mates better. Yeah. And like that's just so rare. Like, even you look at like Tavares in Toronto. Sure, he had a positive impact, but then you look at the salary cap repercussions of that. And I mean that can be widely debated if that was worth it. In my opinion, I don't think they should have signed him, even though he is a great player. But for a team like that. To spend the money, open the bank account when you're rebuilding, pay for a guy like Panarin, and just, like I said, just hit an absolute home run. Like, that's that's a huge step towards improving your team in the future and actually having a quick It does help rebuild. that it's New York City and you get for to sure. Manhattan, but... A hundred percent. Like, imagine if the Oilers had their team and they were in, like, Tampa or New York and players just genuinely wanted to play there. For like no other, like you could even take away our stars and they still want to play there. That's something we've never had in Edmonton, unfortunately. I mean, which, which sucks because I mean, I know Edmonton is not one of those cities necessarily, right? I mean, who wouldn't want to live in LA or Tampa if you can? I get that, right? But I mean, I've had no issues with Edmonton every time I've gone up there, right? Like, yeah, sure, it's an industrial city, sorry, on the outskirts, but the downtown's nice. Like, it's, like no, it's, really, it's beautiful. Man, you can like, find yeah, a I great life there. I'd, I'd honestly like not even trying to dog on Calgary, but I'd rather live in Edmonton than Calgary. I think the only downside to Edmonton over Calgary, like, I mean, they're pretty similar cities. Like I always laugh at the like eternal debate of Edmonton versus Calgary. It's the same shit. There's a river going through the city. Exactly. It's, it's, they're very yeah, similar cities. And, like Calgary's out. slightly better in the spring mm-hmm. is really, is really what it is. But yeah, it's like, yeah, which I mean, it's not the Calgary's flocking free agents either. No. Uh, yeah, but I mean, like even even to be a city like Vancouver where you have a coast or something like that, obviously that's a selling point. Yeah. Yeah. It's just absolutely. Mad. It, it, it's frustrating that that's part of it, but uh, hey, that that's the game, I guess. Huh? I mean, did you see that commercial when hockey was coming back of the Tampa Bay players? Like, yeah, and they showed my hometown. Like, what like, the fuck are you talking about? Dude? On <laughs> I live three hours away from you. Why are you showing where I grew up? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also the players aren't allowed outside of the fucking building so like what yeah no i'm ta- i think we're talking about different things i'm talking about the tampa video they put out oh sorry i thought you were talking about the the video that the government no, they of did Alberta kinda, put out yeah no that was stupid as hell but i mean it was yeah. like a good intention but just like yeah here's the mountains <laughs> you probably can't yeah. see unless you make it here's the pam springs mountains. hotel here's jasper you're like okay cool yeah, yeah. i think they are having excursions and stuff, especially with like the series winding down in the uh, conference finals now. I'm sure like they take a bus and go for a hike somewhere. Yeah. Or, or whatever. They've been yeah. golfing and stuff from, from yeah. my understanding. Um, but uh, yeah, no, the Tampa one was like, once it got announced the date they were planning on coming back, I think that was in like phase two of their plan or whatever in, um, in June. And Tampa released a video of them all, like all the players like reuniting or whatever. And had this promo and they were all like 
at like beach or like um oceanside restaurants and like jumping onto a sea dew and stuff and like ripping out and i'm just like fuck you guys like <laughs> that that looks like such a nice life <laughs> uh, yeah actually huge though, right? like, yeah, you're living yeah. like a celebrity dude for sure uh, yeah why wouldn't you want it yeah. and being rich in one of those cities would be great i mean there's the downsides of edmonton as far as a player where like you can't really go like out and just like not worry about anyone recognizing you like I mean, if you're like a Chris Russell, he can probably get around the city fine. And like people might say hi or like a kid might ask for a picture, but you're not going to get flocked like you are if you're Leon or Nurse or Connor or Cluffbomb or any of those guys. <clears throat> Especially the the two-headed monster of Dryside and McDavid. Yeah, I mean, you're getting spotted absolutely everywhere. We had people come in Camor, right? Like even, um, oh my God, I'm totally blanking on his name. He was there with Everly. It was, uh, oh my God, I'm just going to pass on this. It was a fourth liner, like nobody. And like me and my buddy recognized him right away. Clink Hammer. That was it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I was just like, like who the fuck would recognize Clink Hammer anywhere else? Like it's, oh, yeah. that's a Canadian thing. Yeah. There's a reason that people don't want to fucking play again. Like they, if Clink Hammer played in like LA, less than like half a percent of the population would know who he is. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah no he would never get recognized man i even i was down in la and it's not like i was ever actively looking for a celebrity it's just you live your See them. day i mean i could pass i could pass a player here in montreal half the time I probably wouldn't notice because they're just paying attention to my own shit you know yeah that's true too yeah, yeah. on facebook getting your brain melted and yeah. I'm just <laughs> for sure yeah. um shit there was something i was gonna bring up there oh yeah as far as like the destination i know there was just some like loosely based rumors because that's the that's the kind of off season we're in for the teams that are no longer in the playoffs but um some people were talking about Holby wanting to make a return to Alberta it's something that like I mean I wouldn't pay him mad mad dollars with term but I mean minus this last year he's obviously a very capable goaltender I'm curious if he ends up in Edmonton or Calgary to be honest like it doesn't seem like a great fit in Edmonton right now just for the money but like, I wouldn't be shocked to see Calgary go after that guy. I'm really going to be surprised. Well, maybe Calgary, yeah. But I'm really going to be surprised if we spend a lot of money on a goaltender. It's it's going to be a backup. Yeah. One of the middling people there. Like, it, it has to be. There's no way. It's, it's I mean, like- depending on who, how much money's moving out, and we've talked about this a lot, but I wouldn't be shocked to see them spend like four to five million and have like an eight to nine million dollar goaltender duo. Yeah, yeah, I could see that too, but it's not going to be a, you know, number one A that's in free agency that people are expecting or or, so or not expecting, but just that's available. With the rumored uh, like even Murray, man, like the the rumor of wanting a first round pick just for the opportunity to talk to Murray, like, absolutely not. Yeah, you well, know, I mean, I'd be maybe RFA, give a third. So it wouldn't really, it wouldn't really be like opportunity to talk, but I mean, I yeah, mean, the guy's going to get five to six yes. million dollars in arbitration. So yeah, you're going to have to pay him. You know, even if you give him term, the like bottom bottom number there is four and a half. And even then, like I feel and like he's not going to sign for that. So you're no. definitely going to be fucking going to arbitration with him, and exactly. that's just going to be a messy situation for him coming to Edmonton for. Yeah, it's just, you know, and again, and again, like our goaltending was not our issue last year. There's a lot more problems on our team than just the goaltending. Like, yes, it's a spot we need to fill this season, but. Yeah, like I think there's an area for improvement, but how many times 
over the season did you and I talk about on this podcast of like, man, we're so pleasantly surprised about how Koskinen and Smith have been playing for us. Like, it's I mean, not we've had this, this like, conversation emergency. the last two weeks that what we're talking yeah. about right now. Like, yeah. I mean, I don't really remember the last episode very much, to be honest, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's a little, little bit of a blur. <laughs> but uh... um, I was going to sorry. one of the things I forgot to say, too, when we were talking about McDavid and Dreisaitl, like just around the city, um, this is probably three years ago. The same buddy I brought up in the last podcast um, when we were talking about the racial injustice and stuff. He was, he used to work at a kiosk in the mall in West Ed and McDavid walked through and he's a fairly new Oilers fan, but at that point had already been watching for like two years and it was so funny. And like, he's kind of an awkward nerdy dude. Like my buddy is not like, not like super nerdy, but like in a good way. I don't, I don't mean that in a shit, not trying to shit talk the dude. He's a great guy. Um, Nerd. but like he's a little bit socially awkward. So he approaches Connor like kind of mild mannered trying to be like, Hey man, like, do you mind if we snap a selfie together? And Connor's like, who also awkward, obviously says something yeah. like, yeah, sure. No problem. And my buddy, Brett, like he, two guys he, overhanding each other. Yeah, pretty much just awkward. <laughs> each other out, pretty much. My buddy, Brett, his thought is, Oh, I'll offer to go into this like service, uh, like hallway so more or less his intention was, Hey, I know you're obviously a super popular dude. I don't want a bunch of fans like swarming you just cause I spotted you. Yeah. Um, so do you want to go like yeah. snap it in here? And, but the way it came out is like, do you want to take it in this like service hallway? And yeah. Nick David was just like, uh, no, just like, wait, here's do fine. you know who I, came I off wait, what? Yeah. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to just go like out of the public eye into this, like, random service hallway with a stranger connor do you do you just come at come back here with me man <laughs> say uh no the photo here is good i'll deal with all the people that will notice me that's good yeah, <laughs> yeah like i'd much rather deal with like a hundred fans trying to swarm me than getting end up in some guy's trunk of his car chopped up into little pieces jesus <laughs> um anyways as far as oilers news oh here uh <laughs> all over the place absolute yard sale this episode <laughs> i'm not talking shit about my friend by the way he's a murderer just saying, yeah <laughs> well i meant like how mcdavid <laughs> I, know. That. <laughs> I know yeah. um okay so adam cracknell played like eight games to the oilers and he gets signed to a two-way deal he's like 35 or 36 it, it's a clear move for like he's an emergency situation and like ahl leadership and still like just a ton of fans getting so like up in arms about this. And we talked about Patrick Russell, the last episode. And I just like, I don't know. I'm, I'm getting myself too involved in this where I should just like, really just like not even bat an eye, but I don't know why I just see all this. And I'm like, why are you all freaking out? Just relax. Like the AHL team needs leadership and, and guys there to show our young prospects how to be a pro. And this is a no risk move. Well, the contract's going to be buried, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah, it's a two-way deal. Like when he's in the minors, he's probably making like two hundred grand a year, and like all that impacts is Kate's. Doesn't come on the salary cap at all, and I could give a shit about if Kate's is paying a guy two hundred thousand dollars to be a leader. Like, I just I don't know. This is more of a me problem, man. Like I know I need to just I can tell. Yeah. Like you are reacting to this, but it bugs me. I don't know why, but it fucking bugs me. It doesn't bug you, hey? 
This is uh, I mean, I'm gonna have my back here, buddy. You're <laughs> listening to the like Facebook and Twitter comments. Like, do you think you're gonna get the cream of the crop in there? I don't know what you expect. While I'm talking about how bad Facebook and Twitter is, I'm like just like a total sheep with it too. <laughs> I can't handle everyone's opinions on these social media things. You're ex- literally exactly what you were talking about. Really, I need to watch that documentary again. <laughs> just every time I see a comment I don't like, I'm just gonna watch that documentary and be like, "No, John, ranting. You need, you're a you fucking idiot. That. You don't know shit." Oh my god, dude, chill out. <laughs> like, literally, watch the documentary, being like, "Look at all these sheep being impacted by Facebook." And Twitter. <laughs> like, I'm, not, I'm not like that. Those people are idiots. Yeah. Oh, by the way, fuck you, you dummy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> getting into rage like, wars instantly. Yeah, inside. I know you, John. Instantly, you talk the most shit. <laughs> yeah, I've ever seen. Yeah. Oh fuck, that's too funny. Um, okay, the other rumor I wanted to talk about <clears throat> is the Oliver Eckman Larson rumor so quote-unquote rumors have been swirling about oliver ekman larson obviously we talked about the arizona uh situation the last episode it's looking like they're gonna need to go into a rebuild kemper's on the block um good chance i mean i don't think they've officially announced or any like really really legit stuff coming out that's saying they're shopping oel but you've got to imagine that he's a lot more movable so he is signed for seven more years at 8.25 million. And there's a lot of Oilers fans that are wanting to like move Clefbaum and Russell and like a B tier pick or a B tier prospect or pick for OEL. And I don't know about you, but I, I'm having none of that. Like I, I'm not moving Clefbaum. I'd be talking nurse if that's who was going to go, but I, Larson's been kind of falling off the last couple of years and that's with an improvement to the coyotes. No, Ekman Larson, yeah. Like yeah. that that's I remember talking to Corey yeah, and Richie, sorry, yeah, who was the uh sporty with Corey and Richie, they're our coyotes affiliate on THPN. And I think it was a similar situation as actually our Larson, where I believe his mother passed away OELs, like the spring before this last one, don't quote me on that. But more or less ever since then, he's really just taken a step back. He's obviously still an effective player and a good player, but not that game-changing OEL that the Coyotes had for so long. So, I mean, I don't watch a ton of Yotaki. I'll be straight up with that. But based off what I've seen, he's not that, like, you know, franchise defenseman anymore. He's definitely a very good top four defenseman. But, man, I just, like, I look at Clefbaum. He's 27 years old. He's coming into his prime. He makes four point well, like six seven moving, million for another three years. Really, the only negative of Clefbaum is his injury issues. Yeah, I don't feel like it's an upgrade where you're paying twice the contract for a player yeah. to come in when, when realistically, like he's the younger player. He he's probably just as talented. Yeah, like you he know, might like, be a step under OEL when o, if but, OEL was like reclaimed to what he was. Yeah, and regains yeah. his form. But yeah, I'm not trading him plus for that. Like I, again, I I would be trading Nurse, and not not because I'm trying to throw Nurse under the bus. It's just you know what you're getting with OEL, right? Like he's a solid defenseman in his own zone. He's very comfortable. He doesn't he doesn't act frantic ever, right? He knows he knows what he's doing in his own end. And 
it'd basically just be a trade because you're still not sure with what you're getting with nurse. Yeah. But you would have to package with that, right? Like that I'd understand. Um, yeah. I, but again, like 8 million is a lot to play for, for that again, who's a top four defenseman. Years, He's definitely not a number one anymore. He's 36 at the end of that contract. Like, tell me how that contract doesn't look bad in three or four years. Like, especially when you're bringing that in during this cap situation now, like that's going to fuck us over three, four years from now. You maybe, you maybe get that. Like, even if he reclaims again and returns his form, you have a stud D man for three or four years, which is great. And that's not an insane amount of money to pay a guy if he returns, but with the risk associated, the term associated, I'm just like, if they're spending that much money and they're sending either Clefbaum or Nurse and like Russell out, so that's $8 million out approximately a little more if you send Nurse, which I don't think Nurse is getting traded, but that's, we can talk about that after. But um, Well, we have to worry about that money too. Like we have Bear, Bouchard, Broberg coming up on our defensive end. Yeah. Too, right? And like Jones. I'm not comfortable tying $8 million up in a player that again, even if it puts our window, like, yeah, it's the next four years, like, it kind of caps us at that four years for a window. I don't like that. Just keeping Broberg, Brichard, Bear that we have now and developing from within, maybe getting another player somewhere else that's a top four that's half that cost or a million dollars more, you know, like five million. Um, uh, yeah, like that's a lot more comfortable move. Some some contract that's three years long that we can sign the free agency, like we've already talked, where these contracts are probably going to be short-term deals over free agency. Yeah. And having that player mentor those young kids come in because in three years time, we're going to be paying contracts to all those kids and they're going to be expecting fucking money, dude. Like look at the way that contracts are handled now. It's no longer, oh yeah, okay, you get a minor contract to get you through your 20s until you're in your late 20s, early 30s and you get your payback for everything you've done for the team. Yeah. Once you're at UFA, now you get paid because... Yeah, yeah, now, now it's RFA, getting, pay me, or I'll yeah. fucking take you to arbitration. I don't give a shit. Yeah. yeah. Or I'll players or I'll know their worth now. Shit. Like look at look at Nylander. And the dude like mm-hmm. held out and just strong armed Toronto. And like you're telling me like all those RFAs aren't taking notes on that, seeing how much that guy got paid. Mm-hmm. And I mean it's not an outrageous contract by any means, but like he was gonna get what he deserved. Yep. I and the other thing, like if you look at sending that much money out, like I have no problem with exploring the trade market. And like, for me, I don't think Clefbaum, like Clefbaum's got to be a home run if you're moving him out, just, just because of the value his contract brings and like, find me a better defenseman at that age. That's locked up for another three years at 4.16. Like it's, it's, it's a tough thing to find. And those guys aren't moved. So if, if you're moving out, a ton of money, like whether it's Nurse or Clefbaum and Russell, why don't you do that for forward help and then try and sign Krug or Petrangelo with that money instead of bringing in Oliver Ekman Larson? And like, yeah, I don't even know if either of those guys yeah. hit free agency or if they would come here, but that's got to be something you explore instead of paying a guy that's taken a couple steps back and is already committed to that. Why not get a guy that's coming off a good year and in the similar age group that you can just pay? I mean, there's risk and, associated and with again, that too, but at like, least you're not giving I, up you, cleft You won't have to give a long contract. You can do something that works for two, three years, which is what our um, 
roster needs right now, right? Like we know that we have players coming up. We do not need a long-term deal. Yeah. Chances are Bouchard and Broberg are going to be in the top four. Clefbaum will still be there. Nurse, you know, hopefully he figures it out and he can be there too. But chances are it's going to be Bear. We got Jones still. Like, it, like there's a future on our defense, that's for sure. And we need a stopgap. But I'm not comfortable with overpaying for something to be a leader when realistically they're on the back end of who they once were. Yeah. I've seen a lot of people talking about like shipping out Larson. I mean, like Adam Larson and Russell. And I mean, that frees up a lot of money to address some issues up front and literally just running that your top six would look like Clef Bouchard, nurse bear Jones Benning. And I'm like, that's a lot of risk. That's aggressive. It's it's man. It's a lot of risk, but I mean, I'm not going to lie. Like if that pans out, we're a contender. If you make, if you use that money properly, that you freed up to address your one B goaltender situation and the third line center and add another winger. Like that's or this could be contenders, but well, that's the thing is like, are you going to, and I know, I know obviously it's a reach like, too, but look at Heiskanen, look at Heiskanen, look at McCarr, look at Hughes, like all these young defensemen. I, I know that's obviously a reach trying to compare Broberg and Bouchard, but I, they're top 10 picks as well. Yeah. Right. Like, like they're almost at that level too. Like I have no question that they could come in and make an impact. Now there's going to be risks that come with it. Of course, there's huge growing curve playing in the NHL compared to any other league. Yeah. No question. But I mean, might it be worth the risk to do it for a year and, and hope for it? I mean, fuck it's, it's a huge risk. Right. And that's where, again, I'm back. Like we would need a veteran stopgap. That's, that's it. We need a top four. Like OEL, I'd take OEL, no question, if it was a three-year deal. Oh, for sure. Like, no question. But, I mean, I'm not paying that for the next two, three years after he's going to be an effective player. I'm going to be really curious to see how many of these free agents sign, like, a three-year deal and just wait out the flat cap or a Mm two-year deal. I think it's most, dude. I mean, maybe not when you're 30 years old. Like, you're probably going to be looking for something that's five. Even if you take a cut on it, you're just happy that you're going to have a job for two more years. Yeah, but but I'm assuming a lot of these kids that are, you know, 26 to 29, maybe a little bit lower looking for like, yeah, three year stopgap. Plenty of probably RFAs looking for a bridge deal. No question. Yeah. I mean, I look at like Tori Krug's 29. Petrangelo is what, like 29 or 30? See, Krug could, Krug could sign a three year and come back at 32. Like he's a good enough player. He's got the speed. He's always had it, right? Yeah. So patches thirty, yeah, and that's I yeah. don't know. Low tide was speed. About speed that, is a like difference maker for sure. Is a very unlikely yeah. thing to happen, but yeah, I'd be I'd I'd entertain that for sure. I think that guy's a game mm-hmm. a game changer. Mm-hmm. Anything else you want to talk about? Um, yeah, sorry, just bringing up nurse. That was my last point. Um, Bob. Um, oh geez, I just supposed to say Mackenzie Stoffer was talking about how uh, last three seasons, as per natural stat trick, defenseman Darnell Nurse is tied for seventh with Hedman in the NHL D in five-on-five scoring with 77 points. The D ahead of him are Carlson, um, sorry, both Carlsons, so John and Eric Carlson, Yosie, Burns, Riley, and Barry. Now, I think a lot of that is, like, I mean, he, he obviously gets a lot of assists 
based off transition play to McDavid and Dreisaitl. But it was like that. That's a big stat, man. Like five on five scoring. He's not being lifted up by power play time like Clefbaum is. Like, is it something where maybe we've been, you know, who? Oh, shit, sorry. I'm getting sidetracked here. Who is that defenseman in Toronto that just left last year? He was like the offensive guy. Barry? They got like pretty much ran out of town. Tyson Barry? Or or no. the year before? Uh, year before. Uh, my God, I know who you're talking The blonde guy. Oh, my God, what the fuck is his name? Sorry, I'm Googling right now. Like, we're treating Jay Gardner. I'm yeah. Like, yeah are we point. treating Nurse like Leafs fans traded Gardner? Where, yes, there's flaws in Nurse's game. He's a little bit inconsistent. He's got some IQ issues. He's not a great passer. Takes some bad penalties. But are we letting those negatives just vastly outweigh the positives? Because, I mean, that production, like, that's some pretty substantial production at five on five, which is something we struggle with is scoring five on five. So I don't know. I feel like my opinion of nurse is being a little bit more optimistic as of late. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I don't hate nurse necessarily. He just has a lot he needs to learn still. And, Again, it's not really his fault. He's he's playing with Bear and mentoring Bear. It uh, it's just yeah, it's not an ideal situation in our defense. That's that's it. Like if we had somebody that could play with Nurse and teach him how to be a defenseman, it would be no issue. Like I I know he would be great. Like I'm, I was beyond excited when we drafted him. Like I, <clears throat> I knew nothing about the kid, and I love what he brought you know like where you'd see him get upset and and oh man, man like murder people he when he gets yeah. upset and fights people like i fucking love that kid and i just haven't seen that emotion from him this year like and yeah and that's not necessarily his issue but i i don't know like it's just it's not the player that I thought he was going to be for us. That's it. And I think that's the thing with hockey fans, Kyle, though, that it's like, we've got to be careful to not like, so the hope with Darnell Nurse, similar to the hope with Bouchard and Broberg is like, you're always hoping you get that like legit number one D man. And just because he doesn't get there. And if nurse levels out as a good three, four guy with a, with a, as long as he has a good pairing on that second role, a good partner, he's an effective defenseman. There's nothing wrong with that. You need guys. No, like and that. again, I don't think that. I, I, I think he will be that. The part of the issue with Nurse, at least to me, and I think a lot of fans, is that, like, look what's happened with contract negotiations and what comparables to him have gone for, and there's just a worry about re-signing him again. And I think a lot right. of people are scared of that term closing here and what it's going to mean to the team at that point. And if we should maybe move him out now for something that's a little bit more certain and let another team take that risk on him. I think if he has a good year this year, when he's up for an extension, uh, presumably July 1st, depending on when that happens, but on a normal non-COVID year, it would be July 1st, the year before his contract expires. I think that's when you start preliminary talks of that. And if he's still looking for, you know, he'll be 27 at that point. If he's still looking for that 
high seven, seven and a half million dollars with term, I think that's when you trade him. Because <clears throat> I just, I don't. <clears throat> it's I don't just other teams, other teams know that now. though is the thing, right? So like, what's his value at that point? Are you going to regret not moving him now? I mean, that's I, the, that's the I conversation. Think, that's it, right? Like, I don't think the year he came off of, I don't think there's a very big risk that his value goes down this next year. And like with Bob toast or uh, toasting Jesus with Bob tweeting that out, like that's the insider for the Oilers, him and spec. So you've got to imagine like they're pumping him up. And I know there were some Oilers fans I saw online discussing, um, could that maybe be foreshadowing a trade? And I really don't think so. Like, I don't think that's the major media's prerogative when they're pumping a guy up. I think they're trying to improve his image with the fan base. Maybe I'm reading too much into that, but I'm like, I don't... Typically, they tear guys down. Again, a lot of this is just, it's all on just him developing as a player. That's it. And yeah, yeah, like, I obviously, if he develops, like, fucking for sure, he has a place here. That's not the question. Eric Friesen had a great point when we had him on earlier in the year, Kyle. Do you remember that when he was talking about how Darnell is, like, very close with both Drysaddle and McDavid? And he's a part of that core, like, that core, like, social group by the looks of things. Yeah, so that, that's an okay, but I'm I'm sorry, well. but friendship doesn't mean shit in the NHL. It really well, doesn't. No, it, I think it does. I think it's it can be overvalued, but man, you've got to have like a you have to have harmony in your locker room. Like that that's the biggest thing when you look at Puyarvi. Like if he comes back and the players don't want to play with him, he's not going to be successful here. That's the biggest thing this is hinging on is like one does Puyarvi is he willing to play? Yeah, yes, Two, I agree, dude. But if you're not performing to the level that they expect you to do it, it doesn't matter if you're buddy buddy with whoever. I mean, yes. That's that's moves that the GM has to make. You know, like a player doesn't get to run a team. That's not the way it works. Like, Unless I'm sorry, but that, if McDavid likes him because he fucking makes a sick margarita at his parties and he fucking gets to hang out <laughs> with him and his girlfriends and they go vacation in fucking Cabo, like, awesome. Fucking do it on your time off. <laughs> you're like, you're you're talking like an old, like, no-nonsense, old-style hockey GM, Kyle. I like it. I'm sorry, they but it's true, dude. Like, I, I, you know, what their performance on ice is the only thing <laughs> no. that fucking matters. Yeah. I mean, if you I don't like it, then go the get another fucking matters, But I agree. It's you get paid millions of dollars to perform. Yes, you do. I'm not saying if Nurse takes a step back and he doesn't continue to develop. you. I'm not saying you sign him just because he's friends with McDavid. But... I'm, all if I'm he's such is good friends with McDavid, factor. then McDavid should talk to him about taking a fucking deal because McDavid did that for our team. So, agreed, hundred percent. Lock him up seven by three. You know, I don't mean that, but like, <laughs> no, I mean I was joking about the actual term, obviously, but I do agree. Like, I think that's something where if if you want to open your like, if he wants to be part open, of the core, and if he's so buddy buddy, like fucking build a core together as a friendship group. Like if that, yeah, there's a difference between that where if you're all talented and you're like, hey, we'll take a deal for the team so we can build a team here. Yeah. Total difference than like, hey, we're all buddies, but we're all going to get fucking paid so we can party. Like not, that's not how it works. Yeah. No, I mean, hey, I completely agree with you. I think that's part of it when it comes to 
the development of a leader too. Like you look at so many successful teams and like a lot of those leaders leave a bit of money on the table. And I mean, you're not obviously I, look I, at I Crosby, was joking right? when I said seven by three, but yeah, it's like Darnell, if you want to be a part of the solution here and, and fit into your role, then maybe that six, seven, seven and a half million dollar deal is kind of off the table, especially with a flat cap. Like if he wants term in two summers, I mean, it's too early to talk about specifics there, honestly, because you just don't know how his development's going to go. But yeah, you might have to leave a million or 1.2 on the, on the table. Yeah. I think that's, and really I think that I, I think most like hardcore fans know that whole, um, like what we talked about, like they're a friendship group. They, you know, have taken cuts and, and players should. Right. And, and I think that's where you see again on the social media, right. The super extremist people where they're frustrated, where it's like, I know that you guys want to win. So why are you fucking the team over in taking shitty deals and then not performing up to that deal? Right. Like it's, it's, that's, it's like Chris Russell, right? Like it's not that he's a bad player. It's that the value that is expected from him, from the contract you're paying him in a cap salary world or salary cap world. Sorry. You know, like it, it, brings out people being upset with players because why the fuck are you paying them this much money when we could have put that money into a better yeah. use somewhere else? Which I always think that it's like, I feel bad for the players when that, um, that frustration is directed primarily at them instead of the GM. But I mean, that's a definitely a valid point. Now I'm going to provide a, a counterpoint to that. And when you bringing up uh, McDavid talking to nurse about that or any of the other guys, I think one of the things that we need to keep in mind is like how I imagine that going and those conversations, like these guys are friends. They're technically coworkers, they're teammates. I don't know how often a conversation happens where one of them is suggesting that a player takes less money. Cause it's probably, it's probably one of those things where like, Hey, if you can get that money here or somewhere else, like, for that specific person, as far as not hockey, but their life, that is an important thing. No question. So I think, I think, I just think that's an aspect of like, as much as I agree with you from a fan perspective, I think when you actually, look Oh, at the I'm, nature of that, I'm I don't reaching know if that for sure. Is like, taking place. Yeah. I know most of us, if we were in their shoes, you're like, you're looking for what helps you out in your family and your future. No, like, I get that for sure. But uh, yeah, I just, like if a company real real dynasties it. like that's conversations that are had yeah like and, it's just one of those and things if mcdavid wants to win i mean it's not necessarily that like it's on him to convince people to do that but i it'd mean be a huge benefit if mcdavid if mcdavid is telling you like hey man i like we're a group here we're a core and he's the one that's coming to you with this idea are you really going to tell connor to go fuck yourself yeah himself, probably sir? not you know, you're like if he's the one that's going out there and, and trying to build a squad together and be like, listen, you know, if you try to negotiate even even just fucking a million dollars, five hundred thousand dollars off your contract every year is huge. Like it's when it's each player that does it. Yeah, that's you know, enough like money to bring it's not like player. it's not like, hey, nurse, like I know you were, you know, six and a half million. Can you please sign a three and a half million dollar contract? Like, right. It, like, obviously, no. Right, like, it, it, but because the but other I mean, thing hey, there maybe is maybe like, sign can, a five million dollar one. 
You know? Even though McDavid hey, like, took left money on the table, it, like, it would also be. Do you know how much more money at. you'll make in endorsements when we're a winning fucking team instead of being an embarrassment? But I mean, for sure. It's just like if I was one of those players, even though McDavid left money on the table, it'd also be easy to look at that and be like, yeah, man, you left money on your table, but it's easy for you to say when you're the one that has the CCM deal and the fucking Canadian Tire deal and all this stuff, as well as you still make literally like way more than double I do. And he deserves that, but it's still like it would be easy to say coming from him, right? For sure, yeah. I, Compared to these and, guys and that are yeah, making I, still a lot obviously money. it's not an easy conversation. It's just like, hey, if you want to win, that's kind of the deal. Yeah, that you know, Crosby, Crosby took a deal that has his number on his jersey just because, <laughs> I know, man. like, it's fucking wild, and it's a fucking deal and a half for Pittsburgh, so. I mean, yeah, that's that. Look what they've done. That's it. Like, you know, like, yeah, sh- Chicago, like their players might have got paid, but they're worth it. And everything they did with that team, there was players that took deals there too. And a lot of, a lot of bottom six players that did a lot more yeah. for that team than their value was worth. Right. Like, that's such a huge benefit, man. When you look at like, cause that's where when you can get like, a two and a half or $3 million bottom or top nine bottom six player, but they sign for like 1.5 cause they want to be there at the end of their deals yeah. or the end of their yeah. um, careers. That That's such a huge impact. And I mean, obviously just the Oilers aren't quite at that level where I mean, well, and look how much it's helped out players that did that too. Yeah. So many of those players that were on championship teams that would have been a middling player somewhere else and and maybe they got that three three and a half million dollar deal but took the cut to go on a championship winning team or on a dynasty yeah. and then or come out of there three. and of course they get fucking paid after that like you kidding me take take a deal for three years and play with the best player in the world the best two players in the world right now yeah or a and year win a goddamn cup or two and and then go show you know free agency what you were guaranteed I you'll make if- more over that than you will over what you would have made somewhere else you see that so much more in the NBA where you have like super teams and there's really only like four to six contenders every year. But yeah. I think that's one of the negatives from like this aspect of it with hockey. There's just like with parity being so high, there's no guarantee that you taking less money. You could sign somewhere for dirt cheap being an impact player with a good team for five years. And there's no guarantee you win a cup in that five years. Uh, for sure. Was, that, like, was it Hosa that like bounced from team to team? Hosa bounced like around hard three years, yeah. and he lost in the Stanley Cup final to his former team that he was at the previous year, like three years in a row. I think that was Hosa. It was like with for Chicago sure was, yeah. and like for whoever sure. else, but. Good but story, yeah, John. I mean, uh, I mean, obviously, like that's. That's like the the armchair GM just wishing that players would do what works best for your business. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, obviously people have their own self interest in mind, and and of course makes sense, and you can't blame them for it. But uh, but yeah, I mean, you, they that has to be a talk that happens in a salary cap world, like for sure between players and i'm sure most of them like you're right i mean most times when you're at a job with with your friends right you're like yeah go get paid fuck the bosses dude who cares like you know we work for them we don't own this company yeah right and And i mean mean, i'm sure there's a lot of that too 
it's different because you're in a sport and like you're in a very visible in the public eye sport and you have your legacy well, and, just and your celebrity your, everything, but your salary just, impacts who else can be on your team is the difference right, right. like but still yeah. i mean that's true in the business side too like you got to imagine that like you look in the business world and i mean I'm not going to pretend like I'm some business insider, but, but there's not, there's it, not a salary cap is the difference, right? Like not every, no, but business. I mean, there's still a limited amount of money, Kyle. So like, just a second, like of, it's the equivalent of, course, of like you being I mean, with a company yeah. and your value being a hundred thousand dollars. And then your company saying, Hey, if you take $60,000, we are going to be way more successful. You'll work for a way more prestigious company and we can afford better impact players to or impact employees to grow our company and you might make more money later most people do you know how many people probably took a cut cut. to work with steve jobs or bill gates in their heyday and just like were there because the experience and what they would learn from those people i guess like lower end people probably that's true like the bottom six equivalent because i mean like the experts in there like those companies just had so much fucking money that like if you already have self-worth then you're worth the money like that's not a question but it's these people that like are the in-betweeners right like and yeah, and like if, if if you were like if if say you want to compare this to a business like if microsoft's getting off the ground and and bill gates is c- connecting with people that he networked with like you know nhl wise like knows players in the league and is trying to get them together to form microsoft like you think he's paying them top dollar to fucking be there like they're doing it because they know it's going to be a success yeah, it's shit. no That's different. Not a bad dude. Analogy. It's That's no an interesting different. thought. I don't no, know. No fucking I'm... different. Like, if you want to take a success and win, like, you'll do what it takes. Like, you know, you'll get paid after. That's the thing. If you win, you'll get paid. I know there's no guarantee of winning, but that's the same in the business world. It's no fucking different. Yeah. No, and I mean, you look at the history, and I mean, there's a ton of players that won a cup and then get or, or go on an elite team and have a huge and, and they can and they, and they can fall off, but they get paid. Like, off. it doesn't yeah. matter. Bobby Ryan, looking at you, bro. Yeah. I almost feel yeah. bad. I feel like I'm taking a cheap shot. I'm super stoked you won the Masterton, but um, yeah, no, like, yeah, it, it that's an award that I feel like they should change, to be honest. But that's a discussion for another day. We kind of missed the topic on that when they got announced, but. Um, anyways, anything else you'd like to add, Kyle, or are we wrapping her up? I'm good to wrap it up. I got to watch the boys here and cook some food. Cool. Um, I did want to just mention some closing thoughts. Our contact number for our phone line to leave a voicemail or text into is 587-415-2894. You can text in or call. It goes straight to voicemail and we will play that on the air or read it on the air. That's 587 415 Two eight nine four. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention, uh, Alley Cat is still open. So if you're a beer drinker liking that craft beer in Edmonton, head down to Alley Cat Brewery. Mention that you heard about them on the show, and you will get ten percent off your bill, uh, whether that is takeout or dine in. Um, I'm not actually. I mean, not being in Edmonton, I know the cases are rising and stuff. So maybe a, a takeout or a, a pre order is the better option there obviously stay safe everyone but uh get that discount if you're looking for some craft beer in edmonton um but yeah with that being said thank you very much for listening to another episode of the oil country podcast presented by the hockey podcast network every team everywhere have a great week everybody stay safe and we will talk to you next monday